0: morning, I pray that the, our thoughts might be upon the Lord's Supper this morning, and I tell you, just let me add a little prayer before we even go any further. Heavenly Father, even now, I pray that you would prepare our hearts for what is coming in a few moments, to receive the bread and the juice this morning. And that it would be a reminder of what Christ has done in giving Himself upon the cross. As the Lord prepare our hearts, even with this message, help us to see You. Help us to see Christ. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. As we've been working our way through the book of of Romans, last Sunday we were in Romans, the second chapter, uh, in particular, verses one. Uh, through 11 with a focus on the two different eternal outcomes and the two different groups of people that everybody on the face of the planet is in even right now. And so what I want to do to to lead up uh, to the Lord's Supper, you'll see how we're going to get there, I believe, in just a few moments. I want us to go back and read Romans 2. Now let's pick up in verse five today I'm going to read through verse ten. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. Eternal life to those who, by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first. And also to the Greek. And then in chapter 1. I want to go back and just pick up verse 18. We learned that God's holy wrath is upon the unrighteous. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The truth of God and of his word. Uh, the, the, his word is nothing but foolishness to them. And so they regard it. As such, and God's holy wrath is upon the unrighteous, the ones who practice sin. No repentance, no turning from sin, but a pattern of life that continually practices sin. And we also know that the judgment of God will be according to truth. What is truth? It is here in his Word according to this truth, the truth of God's word, not the truth that some people are making up, not of a God that someone has made in, of their own likeness and their own image that they may worship an idol God. No, the one true God, the creator of all things, the Lord of the universe, him and his truth. That is the one by which we will be judged according to his truth. Uh, in Romans 2, verse 2. But we know that the judgment judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And you can go back and you can read that list. You know, the Apostle Paul many times had lists uh, within his uh, writings. And and you can read that list of sins at the end of of chapter 1. So God's judgment will be right. It will be just. It will be perfect. It will be. Uh, each will receive their just reward based upon the truth of God and His Word. To the unrighteous, verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8. And this is all things we went over last week, but just a reminder. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. Indignation and wrath upon those who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Those who practice sin. God's wrath is toward them and remains upon them. In John 3, verse 36, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And here again, you see the two groups of people, the believers, the unbelievers. Those who do not believe and shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on them. And this this wrath remains upon the unbeliever, the unrighteousness. And wrath signifies the strongest kind of anger. And so you see, when judgment time comes, It will mark the end of God's patience, the end of God's tolerance with unregenerate, unrepenting mankind, and his wrath will be poured out. And this wrath of God abides on sin now. From what we just read there in John 3.36, it abides on the unbeliever, those who does not believe now, upon the sinner now, and what a terrible day it is going to be when God's wrath comes to full expression. And we talked about this last week. What is that expression? How will that be made manifest in tribulation and anguish? Verse 9. Romans 2, verse 9. Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. And last week we talked about tribulation as meaning trouble of affliction and pressure. We talked of, of the instrument used by the harvesters they would, as they would bring the grain to the threshing floor. And they would take the tribulon and they would beat uh, the the uh, grain to separate the, the wheat or the grain from the chaff. And so the we get the word tribulation from tribulon to be struck, to be beaten, to be battered, to be bruised. And then what is anguish? Anguish is an intense suffering. It means being in torment. It means to be confined and separated with no hope of any help or relief. Can can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? No hope of any help or of any relief. Part of hell's torment will be its absolute, isolated, lonely and eternal confinement with no possible hope of relief, release or escape. For eternity, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But (laughs) for those who believe, Romans 2 verse 10. But glory, honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Two groups of people. Two outcomes, two destinations. Romans 2 verse 7, eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. The righteous who by the grace of God persevere to the end, a patient continuance, they seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Again, two groups, only two groups only two destinations, no other possibilities. Tribulation and anguish to the one, glory, honor, and peace to the other. Then at the end of the service last week was brought up the comments of of the tribulation and anguish that as believers we have escaped and did God just dismiss the punishment for our sins? No. No, and that's what we want to talk about today. That's what we want to talk about today. Because what is the punishment for sin? What is the cost of sin? It's death. That's Romans 6.23. What's the penalty? What's the cost? The punishment for the wages, the cost of sin is Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I know I've talked about this over and over again, and I know I will as long as the Lord gives me breath. Who is guilty of sin? Everyone. Everyone. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages, the cost of sin is death. And the law of God demanded a sacrifice for sin must be made. And this sacrifice must be a blood sacrifice, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Let's go to Hebrews, the ninth chapter, and let's read. Hebrews 9, we're going to read 19 through 22. Hebrews nine, nineteen through 22. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats and with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Let's go uh, to verses 11 and 12 in Hebrews 9. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And again, if there's a passage of Scripture that gets me, it's this. Because what did the high priest do back in the Old Testament time? Once a year, what would they do? They would take the blood offering, the blood sacrifice. They would take it and go into the Holy of Holies. And they would pour it upon the mercy seat as an offering for sin for the people for that year. But Jesus came as our high priest. And our high priest went into the Holy of Holies behind the veil. And he didn't offer the blood of bulls and goats. But he offered himself. The great high priest placed himself his own blood upon the mercy seat. Can you imagine that? Christ, our high priest and sacrifice. Is with his own blood upon the mercy seat. Let's go to Hebrews 10, verses 4 through 14. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin, sins, Therefore, when he, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you, God, the father, you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins. You had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will. Oh, God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burn offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. He takes away the first uh, covenant, that he may establish the new covenant in his blood, you see. Verse 10, by that we have been... We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never, which can never, which could never take away sins. But this man, this Jesus Our Savior, our Redeemer, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. It is complete. He sat down and from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Aren't you thankful for Christ and of what he has done on our behalf? First Peter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once, once, perfect sacrifice, once, not to be repeated over and over and over again. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just, that was him, the just for the unjust, that's me, that's you. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust. Why? That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the spirits. <laughs> Christ died the atonement for sin. Hebrews 10, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil—that is his flesh. Jesus provided a new and living way, a new covenant. Uh, Matthew twenty-six, twenty-eight. For this is my blood, of the new covenant, which is shed for the, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. So now we have the new covenant in Christ by his blood. And this new covenant was not just for the Jews anymore, was it? It was for also the Gentiles. Thank the Lord. Can I read from Ephesians and Colossians? Let, let's read. Let, let's read Ephesians 2 verses 11 through 13 and then 19 through 20. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far were far off have been brought near. How? How were we brought near, child of God? By the blood of Christ. Let's drop down now to verses 19 and 20. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Oh, it is Christ. What do we owe Christ? All to Him I owe. All to Him I owe. Let's go to Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He, the Lord, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ that that washes, what can wash away my sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, Verses 19 through 22 in Colossians 1. For it pleased the Father that in Him, in His Son, all the fullness should dwell, and by Him his son to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Why? Why? Why would he do this? Why would he do this? So that to present you, child of God, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight the two groups one will be presented before god the father and receive what indignation wrath the other will stand before the father clothed in the robe of righteousness not of our own but imputed righteousness from christ because of what christ has done and what 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 will we be Presented as holy, blameless, and above reproach. Not of anything that we have done, but what He has done for us. We have been reconciled to God. We have been justified by His grace. Uh, Let's go to Romans 3. Romans 3, let's read verses 19 through 25. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Now let me pause there for a minute. Why do we have the law? It it, it reveals sin. It reveals sin. I, I didn't put it in there, but in, in Romans 7, 7, the Apostle Paul says, What shall we say then is the law of sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except Through the law. The law is there. And we could go to Galatians. uh, Third chapter. And it would talk about the law. Yet being our tutor. That that we might know sin. The law. Thou shalt not. These things. uh, That that we might know sin. And so we have the law. So that all the world may become guilty. Before God. There is none righteous. No not one. All have sinned. And have fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, Verse 20 now, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. (laughs) How was it revealed? Through whom was it revealed? Through Jesus Christ, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. How important is believing? It, it, it determines which group you're going to be in, doesn't it? Believer, unbeliever, righteous, unrighteous. Have you believed? Do you believe? Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. (laughs) Aren't you thankful for God's long-suffering and patience? That when we were yet in our sin, he just didn't send fire from heaven to consume us. But in patience and loving kindness, he opened a way that we might see. That we might see. So justified, justified, justified. Justified freely by his grace. Now, what does justified mean? Justified Thayer's definition. To declare or pronounce one to be innocent in the sight of a judge. Now, how can a holy, righteous judge just pardon someone to just wipe their slate clean without there being retribution? Can't. 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 It's not possible. Sin must be dealt with. A payment, a penalty, must be made record of. A just judge cannot just let the guilty party go free. He can't. This is what was brought up last week. All the anguish, the tribulation—where did it go? Where did it go? It went upon Christ. It went upon Christ. See a a righteous just judge cannot just release someone pardon them from their crime and i've talked about this before about uh, pardon and you hear this all the time usually at the end of a, a president's uh term there's a lot of pardons that are going on well here here's a definition a word study dictionary there is a permitting of one to bear for others their condemnation judgment punishment or chastisement And that's what Christ did. You see, the penalty must be paid, but a substitute is allowed. And that's what Christ became, our substitute. That's what Christ did. He was a propitiation, our payment. He ransomed us. He paid for us by taking our punishment. And in doing so, we were purchased. We were bought at a great price. (laughs) I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. The depths of my sin were so great, and yours were so great, the only payment that could be made to cover that penalty was the death of God's only begotten Son. The only way. Bought at a great price. First Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20. Or you do not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This treasure that is in earthen vessels, the Holy Spirit that is in us for every true believer, we have been purchased, our debt of sin paid for by the blood of Christ. He became our substitute. He paid all our debt. And forgiveness of sin is only by the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Let's go to Acts 13, verses 38-39. through 39. Therefore let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, this Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sin, and by Him and by Christ, Everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. There is no other way to God the Father except through redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ. Second, second Corinthians 5 verse 21 For He, God the Father, made Him, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, Who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus took upon Himself the punishment for our sins. He bore the wrath, the anguish, the tribulation that should have been mine when He bled and died upon the cross. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Let's read verses. Let's read 3 through 11. Remember this was written some 600 years before Christ was born. So here's the prophecy. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and he And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave among the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. For he shall bear their iniquities of what Christ has done. Heavenly Father, we we how can we cease from giving thanks for the gift of your only begotten Son? How how can we cease from giving thanks for the obedience of Christ to do your will? For him to go to the cross for him to become sin, for him to take the wrath, the punishment, the anguish that was reserved for me, that he would bear it and in place cover us in a robe of righteousness. So Lord, help us to never forget the depths of love. Help us to never forget what has been done on our behalf. So Lord, now as even as we pray, prepare to enter in and come to the Lord's supper, the Lord's table, I pray that you would you would make it all so very real to us as we remember Christ and of what He has done. And it's in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.